0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Welcome to the Human-Animal Connection Show, where we believe we can communicate with all animals. Join us as we explore the 33 principles and healing methods of the Human-Animal Connection. As animal lovers, we know that you share our commitment to making the world a kinder place for all creatures. Together, let's embrace the transformative healing power of the Human-Animal Connection.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Human-Animal Connection Show. I'm your host, Michael Overly, and I'm with the amazing, ever-present, Jeannie Joseph. Jeannie, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> I am super, super excited about this one. When when you mentioned it uh, at the end of the last episode, I was like, yes, 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 yes.
2: Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about one of our principles in the human animal connection called the order of the senses. And what we mean by that is that when our senses are in order or in balance, we tend to feel peaceful and resilient. And when our, our senses get out of order for ourselves, we tend to feel easily stressed and triggered. You know, somebody, it's like, so for example, um, dogs, if they're not stressed or traumatized, will. Experience the world nose first; they will smell you before anything else. That is that is their preferred method of encountering the world. And of course, they're going to hear and see and touch and taste and all that other stuff. But they're going nose first in a in a healthy, balanced animal for the most part. And in humans, we actually have uh, an order for our senses that's unique to each of us. So some of us are more predominantly visual, meaning we really. Uh, like to receive information through the eyes and we like to see new things and go to new places and travel and you know visual stimulation is relaxing for people who are visually oriented We all use our eyes but some people really get great joy from what they see Other people are very, soothed by what they hear. And it works in both directions. You could be soothed or overstimulated. So for example, an auditory person, like I know, Michael, you're very auditory. If you get too much negative auditory stimulation, you're going to get stressed without even realizing it. So if there's just too much noise or too much competing sounds or too much negativity verbally, it's going to stress your nervous system. And so on a human level, it's good for us to understand what is our preferred modality. Because let's say you have someone whose main way of getting calm is through touch. You give them a hug or a pat on the back and they feel instantly kind of safe and rejuvenated. But you have someone who doesn't respond as much to touch and you go and you give them a slap on the back or a hug and they're like, oh, it's like not as comfortable. So one of the things that I see with dogs working with you know, I work with shy and traumatized dogs in the shelter. I do some volunteering. And one of the things that I see is that in the shelter environment, there are so many scents and so many sounds and too much vision, meaning, you know, think people walking by the kennels and just a lot of activity, there's a lot of activity in the shelter. What happens is that their senses get overloaded. They get overwhelmed. And then what happens is they start protecting their primary sense. So the nose starts to shut down because The ears are overstimulated, the eyes are overstimulated, and they become very, very reactive. So, any sound triggers them, they startle, and any vision, they jump and leap at the person coming to the door, and everything gets all messed up. And when the dog has been really seriously stressed, they stop using their nose and they're not even orienting with their nose as much as they could be. So, to help them recalm their nervous system and reclaim the correct order of their senses, I want to use. Uh, d- ways to stimulate their nose first. So I'm going to go into that kennel with some stinky treats in my pouch and I'm not necessarily going to move towards them because that would trigger the visual response or not necessarily going to talk to them because that will trigger the auditory response. I'm going to be as still as I can. And this is, you know, I'm talking about working with very shy and disturbed dogs, you know, uh, dogs that have had trauma. I'm going to get down low, I'm going to sit and I'm going to be literally as still as a statue. And what happens is as I decrease, and I'm not looking at them, I'm not going to give them any eye contact, I'm just going to sit. And what happens is because I'm not giving them a lot of visual motion to pay attention to and interpret, I'm not giving them my voice at this point, they begin to pay attention to the juicy, stinky hot dog in my pouch, (laughs) the delicious treat or the chicken or whatever I brought with me that day, you know, and they begin to go, oh, hmm. They so they start paying attention to what do I smell like? And of course in Arizona we're sweating a lot. So there's nice delicious sweat that they get to <laughs> also experience. You know, they enjoy that. That's that's polite in dog world to stink a little. You know? <laughs> Makes you familiar. <laughs> you know, even if if a dog is barking and being insane in the kennel before I go in, I'll turn my my back to them, my butt to them, let them sniff. That's very polite. I know it's weird in human world, but that's dog goes, oh okay, I know who she is now or not, even if they don't know me, they just feel like they they understand me because I've offered I' don't offered scent, you know, it's very very polite and respectful thing to do in dog world so then what happens i'm sitting in the in the kennel now with this dog and they're feeling the scent and then what i'm going to do is i'm going to just very slowly i'm going to take one of those treats out and toss it near them not at them like not towards them but to the left or to the right and then what happens is they have to they're they're really oriented to the scent. Now it's closer. They're sniffing, they're sniffing, they're sniffing. Now they have to move a little to get it. And I'm just talking to, you know, even just as if it's a very scared dog, I'm just talking about stretching their head. I'm not going to ask them to move much, but as they get comfortable, I'm going to toss it just a little further, meaning closer to me, and where they're gonna actually have to move. Once I get them moving, then things are, we're moving in the right direction and pretty soon they're eating out of my hand. And that builds trust, builds the bond, builds a sense of safety. And now I've got them very oriented towards their nose. So they're still looking at me, now I can add in, My voice, maybe I I might try to see how that is, depending upon if they initiate touch, meaning if they come to me and lean against me, then I'm going to give them some touch, but I would never give them touch until they have given me a sign that they're ready for touch. So I'm watching for the signs and the signs are that they initiate touch, that they come and lean or get into my lap or something along those lines or position themselves in a way that they, they'll let me know where they want to be touched and for how long, because I'm watching. I'm watching to see, does the dog turn away at a certain point? And then I'll stop touching. And if the dog turns back to me, yeah, that means, okay, continue. But if the dog doesn't, that means they've had enough touch for that cycle. So, that's how it all begins. So, in an ideal world for dogs, they are using all of their senses, but nose has a kind of primacy. and. Too much stimulation of in the shelter environment when they're hearing too much and seeing too much, those senses get overstimulated, which triggers them. So now the slightest movement gets them accelerated in their intensity or their fear. And we want to keep them out of that excited state, that negative excitement, because that's not good for them. They get what happens is they actually get adrenaline and cortisol running too much. And then they don't know how to settle themselves. They don't know how to self-soothe. So you mentioned Lulu, the dog we're fostering from the shelter right now. She's in the corner as we're talking, that little patch of fur over there, that's Lulu. (laughs) And she's learned to self-soothe now. It used to be she had to be literally touching me the first week. You know, She had to be against me or whatever. And now she can be near me and, and relax and sleep and rest. And that's fantastic because that's a new stage. This was a Lula. we've talked about her before. She was uh, called a purple dot dog in our shelter system, which means uh, not good. You know, only staff could walk her and very excited when the staff walked her. They had a walker with three leashes on her, different uh, harness and all kinds of things. <laughs> so she was a wild thing and she still has her uh, she's still a rambunctious little spirit, but she has also learned how to self-soothe when she needs to. So it used to be like on week two, she could sleep near me, but it had to be under the desk or when I'm eating, she'd be under the table. So she had to still have that proximity. And now she's a couple feet away from me and still very relaxed. And she's starting to be able to be in a different room. That's just beginning to happen. Yay. That's huge. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. And I just love this notion of the order of the senses, because working with dogs, getting their noses back online, you see, it's it happens very fast. I mean, within maybe 15 minutes or something, I can get a dog really changing their state and getting cured. Not all dogs, some dogs will take longer. I've had dogs that won't take treats for two or three visits. Those are very severely traumatized dogs. But but it's amazing how fast we can get them back online. And with humans, like yourself, if you find yourself overstimulated auditorily, if you get yourself where you can take a quiet walk or you know, not have to engage on a verbal level for a little while or listen to some music, that can help you resettle your nervous system very quickly. And someone who's very visual, if they go take a walk out in nature... Now, of course, when you're taking a walk out in nature, you're getting visual and you're getting... Um, smell, also touch, you know, different things. But the predominant sensation for you will be the quiet of nature. So it might, you know, the birds are singing, the wind is blowing, whatever, but it's not the words that are are overstimulating for you. And so that's a very relaxing thing. So knowing your primary sense, and then knowing what causes you to get overstressed, and knowing what the anecdote is to that. So For example, extroverts who really enjoy being with people and engaging, if they get stressed, really helps them to go to a bar or to a place where there's a lot of noise, a lot of people, a lot of things to see and talk and engage. Introvert, that would be deadly. After a stressful day, they need to go take a shower, take a walk, read a book, do some exercise alone. You know, they they need solo time. They need to reduce the amount of sensory input from people. So, understanding your own nervous system can help you manage your stress levels in a lot of situations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's important to note that there's no right or wrong.
2: Right, exactly. Right, so people
1: just have different preferences and different Mm -hmm. needs, and it's it to each of us to decide what that is for us.
2: Exactly, like some people, if just like another person on the couch, that's enough to help them feel safe and calm and grounded and secure another person that's too close. They want, you know, I want you to be in the same room or the same house, but not next to me. And so everybody's a little different in terms of what are the the sensory elements that either bring balance or cause stress. And stress comes from imbalance or overstimulation or understimulation. Actually, both can work both ways, but um, the improper stimulation for the person. And as you mentioned, everybody's a little bit different, a little bit unique. So you have to kind of soul search. And um, what would you say your partner, uh, Dana, What 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 is her style predominantly?
1: So noise doesn't bother her. Like okay. you could, you know, blow up the house behind her and, and yeah. she, she just kind of brush her hair off. From right. Right. From flying embers. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's very visual. Okay. Um like she can have like, you know, a, a laptop open, tablet and a book and she's going back and forth between
2: them. And I I'm like, uh, uh uh-huh, right? Um, right. But yeah, for her that that works. Exactly right. right. Somebody who's very auditory sensitive, having the TV on or whatever can be kind of unsettling if they're not watching it, you know, just 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 the amount of noise. And yes, you, yeah, me too. Yeah. And somebody who's very visual, like just things being out of place, like a coffee cup left on a table or a napkin on the table is really annoying, you know, and the rest of us like, what? It does not make any noise. Why is it bothering you? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, but, my, but my mom calls that visual noise. Visual noise because she's she's m- meticulous, right? Things, right. Are, Everything has a place, and that's not it. So yeah, something's not where it's supposed to be, or if it's you know crooked,
2: yeah, know, yeah, it,
1: it's yeah, it needs to be straight because that's that's visually disturbing.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, my grandmother was an interior decorator. And I remember one day, I, I forget, I was, I think, a young teenager or something. And um, we were in my grandparents' house, and my grandfather said to me, Fix that pillow. Like he was on his recliner, and there was a pillow across the room, and it had a little pattern, and it was just a little cockeyed, you know, like it was just a, I mean, we're talking two inches cockeyed, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, Fix that pillow. And I went and I fixed it. And I said, Does that feel better? It was clear that this, like, it made a major change in his, State, you know what I mean? Just to have that pillow in the right, the, you know. I I didn't even notice it. <laughs> you know, I would have, you, you know. I was like, I had to really look at it to see what he was talking about. I was like, what is it? You know, it was, I think I had to say, what is it? And he says, crooked, and I had to. I, I couldn't see that, you know, because I wasn't oriented that way. I wasn't that visual. And people can change too. Like I've become more visual. Like things things that never used to bother me being out of place now bother me so things change we, we're human we change but it's good to know what what's important to you because it helps if if you're sharing a workspace or a living space with another being or um like lulu our dog that we were talking about she has a terrible pro proprioceptive sense meaning sense of her body so she will be in the way of the other dogs or she'll be too close to the other dogs or she'll be in my way or she'll be in front of the refrigerator she's always kind of in the way (laughs) it's just she's lacking a little bit of a body sense of other beings, it's just she's just in her body. She doesn't have a sense of other bodies. And Sophia, my little dog, you know, has been kind of pushed around a little bit by her. This has not been so easy for poor little Sophia. But the other day for she was, you know, because Lulu will block the um the you know, the door the door out to the backyard. So Lulu will stand. Um, I guess it's perp- What is it? parallel to the door so that you can't get out, right? She's blocking the whole exit. And Sophia went under her for the first time. And I thought, yes, <laughs> you know, because Lulu's like oblivious. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's deliberate. It's not to be mean or anything. It's just Lulu doesn't have an awareness. Oh, you want to be here? You want to go there? You know, so her body mm-hmm. sense is all uh, jangled up. And um, we had a professional I'm a dog trainer, but we, you know, it's always good to invite another professional uh, professional to observe this. And she was just staggered by how Lulu would just kind of sit on me or just always against me. And you know, she's kind of moving out of that phase. But and this is a 56 pound dog, so we're not talking about a little thing, you know, a little lap, little lap purse dog. You know, so she when she sits on you, it's an event. <laughs> so she was kind of shocked by how much Lulu didn't pay attention to kind of going like this, pushing my arm, you know, like, you know, adjusting my space. And so I'm trying to work on it a little bit more, but it's clear that Lulu has some issues with this and we're, we're hoping to get her ready to be adopted because she's a magnificent dog, but um, we got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah, she'll be fine. You guys are doing um, great with her. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, Um, I want to give you a quote by John Burroughs, and then we'll take a break. He said, I go to nature to be soothed and healed and to have my senses put in order. Nice. Yeah. So we'll take a little break and see you on the other end. See you soon.
0: Hey, friends. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, check out Dr. Joseph's book, The Human-Animal Connection, deepening relationships with animals and ourselves. Or visit the website, thehumananimalconnection.org, to book an online consultation. Thank you for loving animals. Now back to the show. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com
1: hey folks thanks for coming back thanks for sticking with us and uh, yeah we are so excited we're talking about the order of the senses um and i am just so excited about this whole topic because of my own experiences and i'd love to share that with you if we can
2: yeah, definitely, definitely, and yeah, in fact, um, I had a client, and they had, and they are very, were very experienced dog people. They uh, um, bred dogs, uh, ben, uh Basengis, yeah, and um, they loved their dogs and everything. But walks were like, they always felt like walks were a fight. And I, and I so I was working with them, and I said, okay, what well, what happens? And they were saying, well, the dog always wants to stop and sniff, and they had been told by other trainers that you have to dominate the walk and you have to show who's boss and you decide when you stop and when you stop and all this old-fashioned, to me, old-fashioned way of taking a walk, which meant walks were a constant struggle and who wants to go for a struggle walk? It's not fun. And I explained to them that when dogs stop and sniff, they're literally resetting their whole nervous system. They are tuning out everything else, all of their senses, it's like they they're still hearing and seeing, but their whole focus is on what am I smelling? And that organizes their senses. And when we talked about putting their senses in order, so stopping and sniffing is the best thing a dog can do for their well-being on a walk. Now, it doesn't mean that every walk has to be stop and sniff. But what I used to say is at least one of my walks with Sophia has to be a stop and sniff walk, meaning we don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to accomplish anything. If she stops, I stop. And if she stops and sniffs, I just want to you know, become oriented to the clouds or the trees or whatever, or look at what she's looking at, or just get into my senses, just be present too. I'm not necessarily going to get down on all fours and sniff, but I want to just be aware of, you know, okay, here we are at this tree, or here's this moment, or this is a spot she often stops at. Isn't that interesting? And all that other stuff, you know, just... It's so good for a dog to have the freedom to stop and sniff when they need to. And there are times that I'm in a hurry and, you know, we have to go my way and we don't do it to stop and sniff. But like I said, it's so important. And the wonderful thing for those of you who have backyards, I know not everybody does, but if you do, this is fabulous. You'll watch your dog just enjoying. They'll trot for a little while and stop and sniff and trot and sniff and trot and sniff. And you just see, and they, they're so happy when they can choose to stop and sniff whenever they need to. So tell me about Indigo and your experience of sniffing and what that did for you.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was working with her diligently. I had worked with more than a couple of dogs myself, but I wasn't able to get through to her in this in some of these ways. I had gone through a couple of different trainers and um, a woman who's wiser than me said, have mm-hmm. you ever done any scent work with her? Yeah. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, "Well, you might want to try because you know you see her pass a car sometimes when you're walking, and she'll sweep the vehicle like she was trained to as a military or police dog, oh. which she actually wasn't, but she yeah. just naturally does this thing." Yeah. So we, I started doing set work with her, and wonderful, her activating that part of her brain. Yes, discharged so much for her, and she could just go,
2: oh. Yeah,
1: right, and helped her become so much more common present. Like even when we feed her now, it has to be like we it doesn't have to be. But we use like we use game, uh, game devices to help her with feeding, so yeah. she can just become so focused on that. Yes, but the scent work was massive for her. Yes, so I started integrating that more into my walks, mm-hmm. where we would do, um, you know, first walk she could go whatever direction she wanted, she mm-hmm. could sniff whatever she wanted, mm-hmm. um, and I would just tailor it to take a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. But that made a big difference for her. And and I realized I was
2: allowing her and giving her the ability to make decisions and choose for herself. Exactly. Which in itself is healing. You know, when a dog is so, so often dogs are at our mercy, at the mercy of our choices, what we decide. And that is the nature of, you know human civilization, we have to have dogs on leashes and so on. But whenever we can, if we can give them elements of choice, like I mentioned being out in the yard where they can choose their pace, their direction, when to stop and smith, when to lay down and look, when to run, those are all going to help reset. And scent work, if people are, probably our listeners are familiar, but just to let people know, it's doing like you can hide treats and have them find them. There are all different ways that you can work with them. But basically, they're all games that involve the dog using their nose to find something. And I think all dogs, it's great if all dogs can have at least a little scent training. It's, it's like Mike Michael was saying, it, it just really helps reset their nervous system to put their nose first and to feel the accomplishment of finding that wonderful treat. And you know, there are classes in scent work that some people do. Um, I'll, you know, even a little bit of it is good. Like Sophia is not a particularly—I—I I put her in a scent dog class, and we took this class. And what was interesting, she she has a lot of good skills. Um, so she was the best of the class at the beginning, because the other dogs were like, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't care about this. They were all like scatterbrained, but they were bigger dogs and they had great noses. And Sophia was was like, she'd do it. She'd find the treat, but it was like. It just wasn't her thing, like, but it still was good for her just to have that uh, uh, celebration of of finding something, and they get a treat when they find the scent. So it's it's a fun game. So I really encourage people to do a little scent work on their own or take a class or read about it or whatever, because it helps to put the senses in order, helps the dog lead with their nose, helps them feel a sense of accomplishment. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. This this leads perfectly into um, I think what we're talking about next when dogs emotional states.
2: Yeah, so when they're using their nose, they're in a pretty balanced state. They're pretty happy. Um, I mean, of course, if you're talking about a dog that's trained for for search and rescue, you know there might be an excitation in finding that scent or whatever. But for the most part, as long as they're it's a fun game, they are happy campers. So if your dog is bored, um, just have leaving some treats hidden in, that they can find, you have to remember where they are, <laughs> but usually they'll find them. Um, it's It's pretty good. It's pretty good to help them get into a balanced state, putting their nose first, feeling a sense of accomplishment. It's fun. Just like children hide and seek, it has a certain pleasure to succeed at the task. Yeah. So if you've got a dog that's nervous or stressed and you can give them a little bit of focus on their nose, it's a really good thing. That's a really good thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That, that helped Indigo when we're around other dogs, if she, the faster she can get her nose back to the ground.
2: Right. The more calm she is. Exactly. Yeah. So you can drop a treat on the ground. You take stinky treats with you on that walk and there's another dog coming in. you could say, okay, I know that's going to be a trigger. So you know what? Throw a treat a little ways on the ground where she has to move a little to, to get it, or it's a little hidden. Uh, that's great. That can manage that whole situation, getting her, oh, my God, a treat. That, that, it's, it's like a positive focus. It's like when we're doing something that we really love, you know, we're like in the zone, you know, whether some people that's going to be cooking or working on their motorcycle or whatever it is for you that gets all of your senses kind of oriented. The, these, this is what it is for a dog when you give them something stinky to focus on. And, you know, there's a, 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 the people version of this is like, let's say you identify, um, do you listen to music a lot, Michael, to calm mm-hmm. down or yeah. yeah. So for, like you're a very auditory person. So just putting on some music that's really pleasing to you in that moment will help you get into a really soothed state. And for Dana, maybe, you know, getting that stimulation of the the computer, the laptop, the book, all at once going back and forth that, that, that's going to be relaxing for her that puts her brain in focus and for um, us, it might be like, oh, too sensory overload, you <laughs> know, it's too much at once. but for her, it might be just what she needs to get a kind of because we we it's all about balancing the charge. you know, if we're too low, if we're too bored, we're not happy. If we're too stressed and excited, we're not happy. It's that sort of middle, middle ground where we have just the right amount of stimulation, like if if we, you know, the music that you love is going to make you feel calm, but if we turned on three different television stations on three different channels at the same time, you'd be like stressed out, right? It Mm -hmm. wouldn't be good for you. So it's about understanding your own nervous system, what it is that causes you to feel this peace of mind. So a walkout in nature is very, Healing, and I know not everybody has nature right outside their door. So you do what you can. But if you have a beautiful picture of nature on your wall, and you're a visual person just taking a moment to let just let your eyes go soft while you look at that picture, that can be very healing. So we call that resource orientation. And it, it we're using the resources around us that pertain to our sensory system. So for some people that might be taking a bubble bath, you know, I mean, it could be anything. It's really a good thing to understand your own system so that when you get a little stressed or a little tired or a little just overcooked, you go to one of your resources that uh, addresses your lead sensory system and brings that into balance. So I hope people will be inspired to do either some scent work or to understand, value, and appreciate the purpose of a scent of a sniff walk and to recognize that when dogs are sniffing, they're happy and we should be happy too for them. So hopefully that will create less stress on walks with people who were trained in the old model of thinking that you had to that that if a dog stopped and sniffed, they were being disobedient or or not respecting mm. you or all that nonsense. So let all that go and just enjoy the fact that the dog is going, wow, here's something delicious to sniff. I'm going to just sniff it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You want to really get them excited, take them somewhere they've never been before.
2: Yeah. So there's all new scents, right? Mm. Right. So yeah. depending upon your dog's desire for newness or sameness, if your dog it really gets a lot of benefit from newness, a new place can be thrilling for a dog. That's not so ready for that. Like Lulu, we, it's not, it's about, really keeping her world very small until she decompresses so so next episode we are going to talk about changing your relationship to time and how that works with people and animals Ooh, that's gonna Ooh. be good yeah yeah awesome. so we'll see you next time we'll say aloha for now and thank you michael
0: aloha now thanks jeannie Thank you for tuning in to the Human-Animal Connection Show. Please visit our website, thehumananimalconnection.org. There you can sign up for our free email newsletter, book a consultation, or check out our blogs and resources. Our best-selling book, The Human-Animal Connection, is available on Amazon. And your donation of any amount keeps our nonprofit organization providing life-changing services. You can reach Michael Overly, author of Let Your Dog Lead, musings on how to create an exceptional life, on his website at dogsandmen.com or email michael at dogsandmen.com. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.